Today's episode of Real Talk Christian Podcast is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. The goal of the CSB is to be faithful to the original languages without sacrificing clarity, all while maintaining both accuracy and readability. With the beautiful designs and multiple study Bible options, everyone from adults to teens and even children can find a CSB Bible that they enjoy. Learn more at csbible.com. Again, that's csbible.com. Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations about faith, culture, and society. I'm your host, Chris Fuller. And this is Mark Hyde. And on today's episode, we have a special guest for you guys, Ooh. Beth Guckenberger. I hope I said that right from Back to Back Ministry. Uh, it's going to be a great time talking to her and learning more about Back to Back. Uh, so, Mark, are you ready to dive into this? Let's go. Let's go. I just recorded you saying that. Did you? Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> we're not doing a we're Would not, You Rather tonight because we have an interview. Well, that's all right. That's but, uh, good. Yeah, so we got Beth on. We want to try to get to that as soon Definitely. as Definitely. I have to make possible. an apology, though. This is the third week in a row where I've had a cough that I can't shake. Yeah. I've still it's got, not COVID. I've got, it's not COVID. I've got a I linger. negative. I've got a linger of one. But uh, tonight, we're not even drinking any coffee. No, we're it's, not. It's one of those rare occasions again. Not, it's, not not ra- it. it's rare for me. More, I would say it's more rare for me to not drink coffee than it is for you. Because normally you drink a coffee on the first episode we record, and then you have like your aha, your yeah, bubbly. Yeah, that's true. But tonight I'm drinking a apple what cinnamon tea. I have a watermelon flavored water, and then another sparkling strawberry cucumber from AHA. What did you do? Bring the whole fruit cart with I you? I did. That's what I do, bro. It's still I'm still recovering from my cold, so I'm trying to keep things that warm and just lots of water. Well, what dude, drink I, I, I drink name brand crap up in here. So my family, we we, we actual LaCroix people. La, La so Croix. I have Kiwi <laughs> Sandia? Sandia? I don't know. It's Kiwi Watermelon. So it's And this crap is good. This stuff is what, what so. Was this good. Other one you got and then here? that's the staple Mark Raz, oh, yeah. Raz Cranberry. You love those. I love the Raz Cranberry. But so, no coffee now. But we, we got to talk about it, though. We've got Brew to it talk Forward about Coffee Co. We have our next subscription in the mail, I was told. I'm so excited. Uh, we're getting Costa Rican blend yes. in the mail. So, we had if, Guatemalan this last time. We had time, Guatemalan, right? it was and it was good. really good. That's the one we drank uh, a couple weeks back. I am going to say, though, um, Honduran still has my vote for the best yeah, South American coffee, though. Well, yeah, see, I'm partial. I, li- Partial I like it when I, I roast my Mexican coffee, which you like. That's Central American, bro. That's that's true. That's, that's Central true. America. But my I, my all time favorite still is the Peruvian. You were vibing still with the Peruvian. Love that Peruvian. But you know, but so we have Costa Rican in the mail from Brew It Forward Brew It Forward Coffee Company. So Brew It Forward Coffee Co. Dot com. Right. Right now, if you go to the website and use the coupon code RTC when you make one purchase, not a subscription, but just one purchase, single purchase, they'll give you ten percent off just because they love the show. That's awesome. And I, I do want to say this because a lot of people are like, oh, what happens? Do you get a lot of kickback? Guys, we get no money from this. We get, we, they send us coffee. They send us coffee. They are a ministry, though, that is all about putting all the proceeds back into, um, I would just say, underprivileged kids. You yeah. know, a lot of the money goes to a halfway house, uh, Bethany House out in Pennsylvania, the Ronald, Ronald McDonald, McDonald Foundation, right. um, Women Pregnancy Care Centers, uh, Boys Clubs, all these different ministries that are honestly 
we're probably going to talk about some tonight, just probably, of what maybe, we can yeah. do for the widow and the orphan. Right. That's where all the money goes towards with this coffee company. Right. So if you want to have some really good coffee that doesn't suck and it does not taste like Folgers and it does not cost like the bougie, like and like bougie I, stuff. Like I said a couple weeks ago, it. it tastes very similar to the way I roast. It's that nice medium roast with the uh, nice velvet and the aftertaste. And, it, oh, and Jared fun. literally roasts it, bags it, ships it yeah. in less than a day. Yeah, it was pretty... It was pretty Fresh phenomenal as it comes, yep, bro. It was pretty good. So I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. We already warned the people. We're not doing. No, <laughs> would you rather? So would gonna, you rather? We're going to jump right into the reviews because we're trying to get to Beth as soon as possible to give her. Yep, as much yep. Time so to uh, last one. Oh, my my favorite name so far has been DJ Mays. DJ like, Mays. I, I know his name is DJ, <laughs> but we call him DJ Mays. What if it's a girl? I just want to throw it out. Ah, there. crap! <laughs> like Full House with yeah, DJ. Yeah, exactly. I just thought of that. I'm like, wait a second. Wow. This is why we shouldn't say genders for each name because we how already got in trouble we, once how, how many times have we screwed that up <laughs> very very much uh but this is from cameron c Ang- angels Ang- angles 13 i don't know sure. but cameron hi my name is cameron i'm 29 and i'm a recovering drug addict that has accepted christ into my life and i live in a, in a christian ministry in northeast florida they teach me reformed theology in our baptist and i've been listening to myself to stay grounded and sober-minded and i want to thank you very much for your podcast and all your topics god bless Cameron, and he even did a little verse, John 8, 36. Do you know what John 8, 36 says? No, but you should pull it up. I'm, I am going to pull it up you really should. quick. And so tell people how I they mean, can leave I mean, a review I mean, we've we been in, We've been in John 8 recently here at church, but in the later later part, I think it's the one where Jesus is talking about how he is the bread, I think, but I'm not Is that positive. what you're going with? I'm going with he's talking about he's the bread. Uh, what was nope, it? So if the sun sets you Dang free, it. you will be free indeed. What's well, King James? Maybe, maybe I'm thinking chapter six of John. I can't remember. We're in either chapter six or chapter eight here at church right now, going through a study of Light of the World is he eight. Said, what what's, the adulterous forgiven is the beginning of John what, chapter What's eight. the name of our sermon series right now? He said what? He said what? <laughs> Can I just say when Pastor Scott sent me that title to make the graphic, I'm like, dude, you're just asking for bad jokes. I just I you're just, asking for I, friends jokes. I right told now. Scott, I said, you know, oh, I, at the I'm, office, the office jokes. I'm reading this and I'm like, I could see Mark in this like a hundred percent. He said what? I was giggling. <laughs> I was giggling when he sent that to me. But yeah. either way, Cameron, thank you for leaving us reviewing. If you it, have not left a review on Apple Podcast, we want to encourage you to do this because of check course. this out. Every time you leave a review on Apple Podcast, that tells you know the big wigs over at Apple that the algorithm, the algorithm that we're serious, that we actually are growing, and people want to listen to this content. A right. lot of you guys follow us on Spotify. Keep sharing. Keep hitting it up. The more you listen, the more people can find us on Spotify. But if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you leave us a review. And, and don't forget, if yeah. you leave a review, go ahead and reach out to us, either DM, PM, email, text, whatever you're going to do, uh, your preferred method. Snail mail. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we don't care. But they don't know our address. Well, they kind of do because we're a registered business now, but that's hey. beside the point. But hey. uh, get a hold of us and, uh, yeah. We will send you a mini and if swag I have, If bag. I fail, because I know I failed on at least two, and I don't remember who, hit yeah, me up either. so but I can resend you back yeah, one we'll, out. We'll get you a little mini. We, we turned it over to Janelle, and she is way more responsible way at that more than we responsible are. Way more responsible our project fulfillment <laughs> services. Yes, so. she is, she's like the Amazon of the RTC but family. But speaking of Janelle, we got to talk about her in this episode. A little bit. Just a little, a little bit. Just, just a little, little bit. bit. So, well, why, don't you do, why don't you do the intro, bro? So, Janelle, actually, when Janelle and I met, uh, we uh, she was going to a church here in on the west side of South Bend called Riverside, and the uh, she's friends with the pastor and the pastor's wife, uh, Keith and Shelly Wilaka, and uh, she actually went on uh, a mission trip with Back to Back. 
I think down in Monterey, I believe, is where she said she Monterey. went to Mexico. Oh, cool. And so uh, she's actually, she's like, hey, you know, it would be really cool. Cool, You know, I've, I've listened to you guys with uh, little friends from Paraguay, uh, from, you know, the Frericks down in Peru. Uh, Andrew Wood Andrew also Wood. with uh, Knoxville Hope. Coat. We've talked to Coat. We've had all these awesome interviews. She's like, we should see if we can get... Uh, Beth on from back to back to to kind of share the story of back to back and um, and talk about the cool things that uh, that ministry is doing. And I'm like, can you reach out for us? Because <laughs> we uh, you're a lot nicer than we, we are. We are know. not as good with our words as she is. We're and good so, with, well, we do, see the thing about the podcast is we get an, an hour to say a lot of words, uh, but, but she's better yeah. at succinct words. She she's very good at thinking and like typing. And I'm, we're just we talk, not. we talk, a we lot. try to do the best we can, but we're not always the best. But nope. anyways, let's go ahead and uh, let's get her on here. Uh, Beth, are you with us? I am. There we great go. To see you guys. It's great to see you. Thank you so much for being with us today on our podcast. Can I just say it makes me happy that we have a guest by the name of Beth because I can't forget her name. So easy to remember now. <laughs> I love it. And this is the second Beth to talk about the topic we're talking about tonight. So yeah, I'm excited right. about it. Go for it. So Beth, uh, Real, I mean, not real quick. As long as you want, Beth. This, I'm just saying, this could be a three hour long episode, and I don't care. We're just going to roll with it. Whatever you want, Beth. Well, you can roll but, with it, but man, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm going to be real hungry by but, the end of uh, this. Beth, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what is back to back. Yeah, we're an international orphan care organization. Uh, we employ about 350 folks in nine locations around the world, and we work specifically with. Uh, orphan and vulnerable children, but you can't really love the orphan and vulnerable child in isolation. You need to love their at-risk mom and their their uh, marginalized community and their local church and their you know all the things that go around the ecosystem of a child. So we work in all of those areas in lots of places around the world, and we've been doing it about twenty five years. What's uh What's some of the places and locations? Yeah, that's that what I want to know. International. Right wow. We're in Jos, Nigeria, uh, Hyderabad, India. We're in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, we're in the Dominican Republic. We're in three places in Mexico, Quintana Roo, Sinaloa, and Nuevo León. And we're also um, have a work here in the United States in the inner city of Cincinnati. Oh, wow. Now, did it start in Cincinnati or where did it start? Uh, we started in Monterey, Mexico in 1997. My husband and I moved there with our savings account and just a dream of maybe starting some of really just serving for a year. We had hoped maybe in the course of a year, we would learn the language, build some relationships, understand a little bit more about the hurt child, possibly start a foundation. We weren't, we did not have a vision for the, the, the organization that we run today. We certainly had a much shorter vision than that. And, uh, but as soon as we got there, we realized God had been loving on the orphan a long time before we ever got there. And uh, it was just about listening to him, partnering with him, and directing traffic. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Wow. So can you kind of go into a little bit of the story of, like, how you and your husband met and what drove you to the decision to even take your life savings and Let's say, and yeah, who just there? goes to Mexico with life savings? That's <laughs> that's risky business, man. <laughs> uh, we, well, we met in high school through the Ministry of Young Life. When we went off to college at Indiana University. There we got involved with the Ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, or CREW. Uh, every chance we could, we got on airplanes and went to international locations with them. Um, after we graduated from IU, we then had the summers free because we were teachers. And we began to take our local youth ministry from our own local church in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is our hometown. We took them um, on mission trips to Mexico. 
And the summer of 1996, this was probably the third or fourth summer we had done it in a row. The summer of 96, we were um, on a really bad mission trip. Like <laughs> We were pretty much painting this wall from blue to green. Pretty sure the year before we painted it from green to blue. Oh, and, uh, goodness. Oh, no. We did have the mission trip once with our students. We're like, we just weeded this whole parking lot. We have to do it again. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I've been there. Yep. Yeah. So then the second to last day, I just looked at my husband, Todd, and was like, I can't paint one more day. And he said, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Do, do you think that maybe the city has an orphanage? Because we had been to the country of Albania and had served in an orphanage there once. And I was like, I don't know, but it sounds better than painting. So <laughs> we left our students in the hands of very responsible adults. And then we just started to say the word orphan with a Spanish accent, like, El Orfano, El Orfanatorio, El Orfanagorio, and the cab driver took us to a orphanage and left us there. And wow. I wasn't even sure if we knew the name of the street that church was on or if we had enough pesos to pay somebody to take us back. But we knocked on the front door of this orphanage and through some very bad Spanish said to them, we had 200 U.S. dollars, uh, 25 able-bodied high school kids, and one complete day in our trip. And if they had access to those resources, what would they do? They told us that the front windows were all broken, which we could see, and that the kids hadn't had meat in over a year. So the Mm. next day, we came back with some windows and some hamburgers. And Todd went off to fix the windows, and I was serving the hamburgers. And after a while, he came over and was watching me and pointed out this little preschooler. And I said, oh, my gosh, she's so cute. Like, And he said, well, you you know she's gotten five hamburgers, right? And you know that no preschooler (laughs) can actually eat five hamburgers. So. Why don't you follow her and find out where all the food is going? Mm-hmm. So I I wow. did. I followed her. And uh, I didn't know where she was leading me, but I could tell we were going somewhere. And we ended up um, in the doorframe of her dorm room. And I could see from where I was standing that she was, she and all her buddies were all helping each other lift up their mattresses. And they were sticking their burgers underneath them. Aww. And uh, we just, just sat there and thought about all the people we knew who'd buy hamburgers for an orphan if they only knew how to do it. So that was kind of the impetus event. The next day we flew back to Cincinnati and really on the outside, our life looked the same, but nothing was ever actually the same again. Yeah. And we, we have 11 children now, but at the time we had no children. Whoa, back up. So, what? <laughs> 11 children? We have 11 children. Yes. I was just complaining that I have seven. I have seven. I was just complaining how tired I was earlier. (laughs) What's the age ranges of your kids? Uh, We have four boys and 11 girls, and they range in age from 18 to 35. So, um, yeah. Anyway, we didn't have have all those kids to spend money on. So we ended up um, saving one of our salaries for a year, and at the end of that year was the summer of 97. We just pointed our little car south from Cincinnati and uh, moved to Monterey. And we ended up living there the next 15 years. But I certainly had no idea that's what was going to happen. Now, did you learn Spanish before you went down the second time? Or did you guys just go down with a translator? Or I mean, I'm sure you know, Google Translate wasn't quite what it was. <laughs> just learn yeah, on the no, fly. Yeah, no, no. I studied French for nine years. I was, I was like, where was Jesus in the seventh grade when I had to pick those two tracks? <laughs> and uh, definitely we had no translator. We just had a lot of trial and error. Wow. And you get kind of desperate when you need to talk. So we figured it out. <laughs> so what what did you guys do when you went down? Did you guys just find another orphanage to get working with? Did you just open your doors to your home? Like what, what were the next steps? Yes. I mean, the goal that year was to say yes as often as possible. So we said yes to any time anybody wanted to get together. We said yes. Anytime somebody said, I heard of an orphanage over here, you should check it out. We said 
we went to we just said yes we got on the phone and invited everybody we'd ever met to visit us even though we didn't even know exactly what they do <laughs> we prayed that first year 50 people would come uh, but at the end of that first year we'd had over 350 people wow and we realized there's something god wants to do he's just just looking for someone who'll help kind of navigate um his kids so that that's that's just that's actually how it all started pretty naively pretty short-sighted I always say we were underprepared and immature and um, ill-equipped, <laughs> but God loves to use people like right, that. Right, <laughs> but can we lean into that a bit? Because I remember, like, I mean, in college, there's a sermon I'll never forget, and it was the sermon about uh, Moses with the staff in his hand, and God just said, what's in your hand? And I'll use what's in your hand. And he used the staff of Moses to transform the entire people of Israel. And then more than even just that, you look at Jesus, and he sent out his disciples in groups of two with just the— what the, the cloaks on their back and the staff in their hands. And they're like, what are we going to do? He goes, I don't know. You'll get, you'll know when you get there, I guess. And you know, it seems like so many times where a lot of conversations we've had with people, they didn't have these grandeur trust funds that were funding these ministries. It was just people saying yes to the next step that God had for them. Now I'm sure those yeah. steps aren't easy. Yeah. I, one of the reasons I like sharing the origin is because if I just told you today, kind of, our operating budget and our programs and the opportunities we've had and the reach, it would, you can maybe get confused that people get credit for that, but there's just no way. I mean, right. uh, the beginning, this is before the internet. So I bought a book on how to move to another country and <laughs> I, it, it said to take cash in small denominations so you can easily translate it and, and exchange it. So we took our whole savings account um, in what was a traveler's checks to Mexico. And they were like in our backpack. I mean, we, we didn't have the right kind of citizenship or visa wow. um, status in order to open a bank account. So we just carried our traveler's checks with us. Wow. The eighth day I was there, I lined up in bank in the bank to turn those into pesos, which we were going to just store at our house and use all year long, as long as it lasted. And this lady was talking to me through the glass. Like, I now know she was saying to me, you know, tienes que firmar tu nombre aquí en la línea, por favor, ponte la nombre en la línea, por favor. Like she was giving me good instructions, but I didn't know any of her language. And she returned the traveler's checks back to me under the glass that was separating us. And I said to Todd, these things don't turn into pesos. We can't even go back to Ohio. Like I shoved them back to her. She shoved them to me. She got slow and loud and was screaming. But one word she said, I thought I had learned that week, nombre. So I grabbed this pen and paper and I wrote the word nombre that I heard her say and I showed it to her through the glass and she pointed at the line at the bottom of the checks and was like, yeah. And so I picked up my pen on every line at the bottom of those checks. I wrote the word nombre, which of course she was inviting that that's Spanish for for name. She was inviting me to sign those checks. I, I didn't sign my checks. I just wrote the word name on it. Right. And <laughs> one, one of my favorite verses is Zechariah 4.10, which says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I think, I think God was just looking for us to say yes. And the rest of it, he was going to help us all figure out because we did not know anything. Wow. Now to lean into the, 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 the beginning of the ministry, if you don't mind me before you move on, where did the name back to back come from? Praise the Lord. We knew early enough in this, there's a lot of things we did not know in the beginning about 
this kind of work. But one thing we knew that we knew is that we didn't want to come in thinking like we had answers to anybody's problems. My heavens, we knew enough to know that we didn't have that. We wanted to stand alongside our back-to-back nationals mm. who had good solutions already for orphaned and vulnerable children and just strengthen them, just come alongside of them in any way. So from the very beginning, our vision has been to empower and partner with nationals. Wow. That's cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I want to dig a little bit more into what Back to Back does with the uh, orphan care. Uh, you guys do something called holistic orphan care. What can you can you explain to yeah, I've never me heard of and Mark who have never heard that what that is? Yeah, in the beginning, that first year, all we could really see were physical needs, like kids who hadn't been vaccinated and roofs that were leaking, and kids who didn't have protein and shoes that didn't fit, and. So really, honestly, the whole first year, that's almost all we did was just met physical needs of orphans in orphanages and some community centers. And then after about a year, our language caught up and it was like, well, we better make sure they know we're doing this in the name of Jesus. So they don't like us more than they like Jesus. He gets credit. He's the giver of all good gifts. So for a while, we thought that was the that was kind of the magic sauce. Like you just you meet physical needs and you do it in the name of Jesus. And that's how you can earn the right to to share gospel and gospel truths. Mm-hmm. But then it was a couple of years, maybe three or four, that we were realizing the kids we loved were leaving orphanages, really, I now know, all around the world, pretty much age out kids around 15. Wow. And, and that was the issue with Paraguay, and that's what Little Neighbors is trying to fix down there. Yeah. yeah. It's a common it's a common problem. And even though they're chronologically 15, because of the trauma they've experienced, they're more like 10, 11 at that point not equipped to take care of themselves or the little families that they're starting to create. And we were watching them find each other outside, make babies they couldn't take care of, bring those babies back to the children's homes. And our tagline at the time was, we provide care for today and hope for tomorrow. And I was saying to my husband, I I mean, 10,000 years from now, we got that kind of hope going on, but we don't have the kind of hope in, in terms of the rest of their life. And so at that point, we started to add an educational component to all of our programming. So we began to take kids who grew up in orphanages all the way through eventually their bachelor's degree um, in college. Oh, wow. And we thought for sure that was the secret sauce. Like, okay, meet physical needs, do it in the name of Jesus, break generational poverty by sending them into education. That started to get a lot of attention. I was ta- I talked to the president of our country, you know, like, and um, then we graduated one of our first graduates from college, and, uh, an engineer. He got this fabulous job, and he came to dinner one night six weeks after he started to tell us he was going to quit. And we were like, why are you going to quit? You have such a great job. And he's like, well, there's this guy, and he follows me around all the time. He's driving me crazy. All he tried to do is tell me what to do. <laughs> and his, my husband boss? was like, is he your boss? <laughs> and he goes, yes, I can't stand him. And we looked <laughs> at each other and realized that we had graduated a well-educated emotional train wreck that we hadn't adequately addressed in his life issues of authority or men and that the trauma that he had experienced as a child was now coming back and and getting in the way of his potential for success and in emotional intimacy so then we're like okay back to the drawing board it's more than physical more than spiritual more than educational what does it look like to holistically raise a child and so we now have something called the five-point child development plan which meets the needs of all the children we serve in all the countries we serve, spiritually, physically, educationally, emotionally, and um, socially. And that's that's what holistic child care looks wow. like. And, wow, and that's evolved since the beginning, it sounds like. Now, can, can I ask how many years it took for you guys to create this entire, I don't want to say beast of a program, but it sounds like it's Yeah, huge. I mean, 
Yeah, probably almost 10, to be honest. You know, it, and we made pretty brochures in the meantime, and we demonstrated what we thought was success in the meantime. And But um, that's one of the reasons I like to encourage people to stay in the field that God's, God calls them in, because you just continue to learn. I mean, we're constant learners. The, the way that we do ministry this year is different than the way we did it certainly last year. And yeah. that was different than the year we did it, different than the way we did the year before, because when you are growing and maturing in Christ, he's constantly giving you more of his mind share, you know, more of the mind of Christ in that then you really recognize how you can do things with more quality or richer or stronger or healthier. And so just always trying to course correct. Yeah. And, and with these five different characteristics, is it more the fact of your ministry has trained people on the ground to do it? Or is it more, cause like, you know, I, I have a lot of kids, well, I, I have seven kids, doesn't beat 11. Um, but a lot, five of those kids were adopted out of foster care and they were all born addicted to drugs in some way, shape or form. So we're, we're, we're working on all the stuff you just talked about and, uh, with therapists and whatnot, but with us, you know, it's not, like we're working with a church or a Christian organization to meet the betterment of the kids. We're working with, you know, doctors and therapists and all these other government agencies that, that a were required to because of the nature of the adoptions. Um, but just, this isn't a Christian service. So are you guys working with just your own internal people or is this more of partnering with the government to come alongside these kids too? Yeah, that's a great question. That's another thing that's evolved. Once upon a time, we staffed every position ourselves, but you can't scale to meet the need without partnering alongside of government. So, uh, we now do quite a bit of partnership. Um, in fact, in the area of trauma, um, as we began to address areas of trauma and take some of the best information that was out there coming out of universities, good research that's happening in academia about the areas of the brain and trauma in kids, and we were putting it through our faith filters, our biblical understanding of scripture, and we were meshing that together, training our own staff to um to be with our kids in in those best trauma-informed practices, we began to see extraordinarily dramatic results. Mm. And we were like, oh my gosh, we cannot keep this to ourselves. So we began to present that information um, probably as early as 10 years ago at conferences and in other orphan care organizations. And as we began to share it with other people, we just started developing curriculum and training people. And today that's in over a hundred countries and serving hundreds <laughs> of NGOs. And, and it just started uh, because you and your husband with virtually no pesos went down to Mexico. Yes, actually. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's now has, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hands in it. It's certainly grown much, much bigger than that, that original origin. But um, that we spend off an organization a couple of years ago called Trauma Free World and Trauma Free World rolls up into back-to-back -back ministries, but it was much easier to go into Muslim countries and partner with U.S. public schools yeah. when we were able to um, have a trauma-specific organization that has both a faith-based curriculum as well as a kind of um, faith-neutral curriculum that still teaches that fabulous trauma understanding through a biblical perspective, but without um, overt Christianity. And now we've gotten to partner, gosh, literally all over the world with that. And I, wow. I hope... You know, we know that for a fact, the CDC and World Health Organization in 2019 published that of the 2 billion children on the planet, that 50% of them or a billion children have experienced trauma. And the only way we're going to turn that story around is if we put a safe adult in the life of every child. But even once a safe adult gets put in the life of every child, they need to know what to do. They, As you know, parenting children from hard places is 
um, it's counterintuitive and it's extraordinarily difficult. And we have to really put tools in the hands of adults so they'll stay in the story. Mm. I'm speechless, man. Wow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, goodness. I guess what's uh, what's one of the success stories that you'd feel comfortable talking about that uh, a child that has come through your holistic program, um, the, the five points that you guys have now uh, and come out the other side of it? Oh, gosh, there's lots of them. One of them I just was t- um, talking about today, though. Uh, his he I met him when he was probably three or four at a children's home and orphanage. Um, he grew up in that orphanage until he was 15. At 15, he moved from that partner children's home of ours onto our direct ministry campus where he lived with a foster family and went through high school, which is tuition-based, private-based high school, and then on um, to graduate with a degree in, from college. He graduated this last May. But while he was in high school with us, his house parents were like, this kid has a lot of energy and we need to figure out healthy ways for him to burn it off. <laughs> yep. And so they enrolled him in athletics. Um, first, he was a biker. He, he participated in bike races. And then he started to swim and eventually run and became a triathlete. And um, as he continued to compete, he could he excelled. Um, he won the Me- Mexican Nationals two years ago. And this month is in Europe representing Mexico in um, uh, in the World Cup. And it's just very exciting, in part because every time he gets on a platform, which is all the time, right. and there's press there, he talks about his origin story and how God sent people to intervene in his life and change the trajectory of it. And uh, that's probably to me what is most meaningful i love when kids graduate from college i love going to their weddings i love watching them sustain relationships but i really love the walking billboards they are to god's goodness um to them and yeah it's it's kind of fun somebody asked us the other day how do you measure success and i said it's not really on a spreadsheet i get really excited when I understand that the kids that have come through our programming are raising their own children. To me, that's the sign of success. Yeah. Wow. And then do you have a lot of kids who once, because this is something I actually was talking about with my college kids of the cycle of poverty. Cause right now in America, you know, we talk about, we have the American dream and we're the richest country and we have all these opportunities yet the, 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 I mean, the rates of poverty are astronomical, even over here in the States, let alone a third world country or a country that finds itself with, with lack of resources. Um, and this, this question of how do we break the cycle of poverty? And I want to say, like, I guess I want to ask, do you see a lot of these kids once they go through the program of the, 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 you said five, five mm-hmm. steps, the holistic, do you see a lot of them break that cycle of poverty or do a lot of kids end up finding themselves running back into it? Like, I'm, I guess I'm just more curious than anything. Yeah. I always say that the high school and college program is a really elaborate discipleship program. At the end of it, they get these fancy college degrees. And in most of the countries where we serve college educated, um, adults are less than 10% of the population. So it automatically gives them opportunity that prevents them from repeating the generational cycle of poverty, but way more effective than their college degree is the discipleship that they have gone through as they've gone through their schooling. And um, those healthy adults in their life are reinforcing to them, how do you manage your money? They're reinforcing the truth that the world tells us a little bit more money in any area and everything's going to get better. But we know that that's not true. A little bit more money does not make everything better. There are root causes to the choices we make. And those adults talk about that, you know, deep healing and emotional health and, and, um, 
and spiritual strength and all the things that you need to be able to be a healthy functioning adult. So, uh, no, we do not see kids return to poverty because they've just tasted something much healthier. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, uh, I guess a follow question out of that, because um, I'm just thinking like, you know, you, you were talking about so many times that each kid needs a loving parent, but how many parents are, and I'm, shoot, I am learning this the hard way of very many parents are not trained to handle trauma. And mm-hmm. my wife was because she had to go through a lot of training with foster care. But for me, instant family, oh boy, I'm learning how to build the airplane and fix the airplane and make sure it doesn't explode while we're still trying to fly. Um, do you guys have resources for people to learn the holistic approach, even for like our own kids? And if we want to get into the foster and adoption world here, whether in the States or in the country that we find ourselves in. Yes, absolutely. I can definitely tell your listeners about that. I think that that though is the big shock. People typically take trauma training thinking about a particular population, like maybe their classroom teachers, or they want to be foster parents or their coaches or, or your youth group leaders. But you get into, um, you get into the content and you realize this actually works in every relationship I have. I mean, my husband and I, employ the things that we've learned in trauma training all the time in our own marriage. Like <laughs> what one example would be like one of the things that we teach is um, about the power of redo. So when a child is from a hard place and they get asked even something simple, like, did you finish your homework or would you take this plate to the table or whatever? They may have an exaggerated emotional reaction. And as a parent, we like to use carrots and sticks to change that. Like we either match them suppress them, um, you know, all kinds of things we can do. If we just stopped for a second and said, would you like to have a chance to redo that? And we give a child an opportunity Mm. to rethink what their reaction is. Most of the time they will redo it in a way that diffuses the, the conflict you're about to have. So in my marriage all the time, we were telling everyone to walk the other day and he said something, I'm like, would you like a redo on that? I I like that. It was supposed to be funny, but the truth was he did need a redo. And I didn't, I could have responded or reacted to what he said, but I didn't want to. And he would, he, we would have been off to the races and that wouldn't have been any fun. So um, yeah, just a lot of friendships would not be destroyed if we just asked, would you like to try that again? Yeah. I think I'm going to tell (laughs) Janelle, I need to be told that every day because I need a lot of redos. (laughs) Now I'm just curious now we're leaning into that. What other life lessons can our listeners take just from what you guys have found with this holistic approach? I mean, there's lots of them. I was telling someone today at lunch about the power of yes. When we say yes to someone, their brain secretes the kind of hormones that uh, makes them happy and attaches them to us. So we adopted an 11-year-old boy uh, seven years ago, and um, he he was uh, from a really difficult place. And he, would, he was always asking me questions, like, can I have ice cream for breakfast? Well, of course he cannot have ice cream for breakfast, right, yeah, but the, no. what what I wanted, what I said to him is, yes, you can have ice cream after you finish your cereal, because what's important to me is that he had the right nutrients in his body. And what's important to him is that he hears me say yes. And so I can get what I want. He can get what he wants um, in a way that's still mutually beneficial. So I try to take anytime the answer is going to be no, I try to reframe it into a, a yes that still fits within the boundaries or the perimeters that I've created around them. Like, can I, you know, can I watch one more show? Well, yes, we can watch 10 more minutes and we'll have to finish the rest of it tomorrow. Just that power of negotiation, but giving them the the ability to say yes. You can use that. Mm -hmm. I used it on a customer service agent a little bit ago, like wanting them 
to 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 feel good and get attached to me so then then we could resolve the issue that I was calling in about so right. lots and lots of those principles um trauma fear world digitized all of our training once upon a time the training was all live three consecutive days you had to fly geographically to places where we were offering it now you can get um trauma free world's training online um, just traumafreeworld.org, and there's all kinds of levels of training. You can do it, wow. 90 minute training. You can do the whole kit and caboodle. Um, you know, six weeks of it. You can do as, you can customize it for whatever level of access you have to kids and what your interest might be. Wow, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Sorry, before you do, sure. that, I'm I'm looking through this, man. This is unreal. So you look through that. Ooh, so cool. I want to know. You know, we've got we've had a global pandemic going on. Yeah. How much has that affected what you guys do? I'm sure it's affected you greatly, but like in what ways and, and how greatly? Yeah, in August, the Lancet, the premier medical journal, published a report by the CDC in accordance with a bunch of other organizations that we now know because of COVID, there's a new orphan every 12 seconds in the world. Wow. So um, it's greatly increased the demand for the kind of work that we do. And while at the same time creating a lot of barriers and hurdles um, for staff. So I'm most proud of the ways in which I've seen um, orphan care organizations around the world innovate in order to get continue to have access to kids. Mm-hmm. A lot of countries just immediately shut down orphanages and reunified families that were in no way, shape, or form prepared for reunification. And house parents and um, dorm parents became instant social workers as they were making home visits and trying to get engaged in families. And um, it's it's been really fun to watch the orphan care community rise to the occasion, but we have a lot more work in an already daunting field um, than ever before. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be tough. So when they, when they shut down, I mean, a lot of countries just like closed up their borders and everything. <clears throat> did yeah. that, did that affect how you guys could get help and support to the workers that you have in these countries? Um, yeah, I mean, some of the systems still worked, uh, technology still worked. So we were able to have zoom calls and we were able to stay, um, in face-to-face contact. We were, uh, the banking system still works so we could continue to have resources flow to and from all the various countries. Um, but the biggest barrier that we had is access to kids, you know, in some places they would shut down, you know, maybe somebody who was a weekly tutor or someone who was a weekly um, therapist or classroom teacher or uh, you know whatever whatever service somebody was providing those services we, we had to rethink them and different countries use different workarounds um, but i'm i'm excited to say at least within our organization we were able to keep track of all of our kids in real time which um you know that that's what we're literally called to do so it, it felt good to be able to continue to do that yeah wow uh, so, you know, you talk about kids, and we've talked about some resources and um, in this new present day and age of, of COVID and kind of getting used to how things operate in this world now. Uh, what are some different ways that um, listeners like Mark and I and other p- listeners of this podcast can support um, a children or your ministry, um, either financially or or you know, I know that you guys offer to take trips so people can come down and actually see the work that you guys are doing. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, 
I'm fond of saying that we're not trying to grow an organization. We're trying to start a movement. So I would say to your listeners, if you have a relationship with someone who does orphan care in your county, in your state, in a, in a country where your local church supports, um, I, I in all ways would support you to continue that relationship and to double down. Um, but if you have no place to to exercise that itch or um, to to get to know how you might be able to help orphan and vulnerable children, then absolutely you can do it through back to back. We do a couple of easy ways I recommend for people at first. One of them is child sponsorship. So our child sponsorship is a little bit more elaborate than than the average child sponsorship. It costs more money a month than typical child sponsorships cost. But for that increase in cost, we actually have a pretty significant um, relationship that we help you cultivate. Mm-hmm. We see your children every day. <laughs> so we try to facilitate really regular and ongoing communication and you can go visit your children that you sponsor. Um, certainly mission trips before COVID, we were um, we were taking about 2,500 people a year to the different sites mm-hmm. around the world. Um, certainly that did not happen in 2020 and 2021 has been ramping up, um, but still, much smaller numbers, but eventually I think we'll get back to around that um, size. And again, um, some mission trips out there, like the one I was describing in the beginning, aren't that great. They take advantage of local people. They they create experiences that benefit the mission trip guests at the expense of the <clears throat> local or host culture. Yeah, and that's um, why I never did like overseas missions trips because that's how I felt. So we just never did them. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that do them wrong. What gets makes me sad is when you throw out the, the baby with the bathwater, right. just because some experiences are poor does not mean that the idea of short-term missions is bad. I mean, we can read in the book of Acts, Jesus did, you know, Jesus right. sent his people out all the time on short-term experiences. I think that the real key to do them in a way that's healthy and effective is if they're led by the local, um, the local community. So yeah. that's again, with our name back to back, it would be um, Haitians who tell us what what the people are going to do, how they're going to do it, um, what they need, and we just listen and honor uh, what the host culture actually wants and needs, and don't try to impose our own ideas or agendas or plans on them. So, it's a little bit messier, but 25 years later, I can tell you, has been wildly um, effective for us in the communities that we've served. Yeah, but how many like student ministries or adults or whatever would you say groups come like I wouldn't say come down because they can go all over the world, but about how many groups do you guys see per season? Uh, well, a little over twenty five hundred people travel a year with us. Um, oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so a lot. But again, like the first day you're with us, we do pretty intense trauma training because we wouldn't want someone to come in and interact with a child in a way that would be counter the way every other adult in their life is interacting with a child. So we do a lot of training of our teams. Um, we highly control as because of child protection policies, the access they have to kids. And like, I'll just say once upon a time, we let group members give gifts to kids. That's ridiculous. We now have, if they have anything that they'd like the child to have, we empower the adults that are in those children's lives every day of the week. And we say, here's here's some things that they want the kids to have. You can decide if you wrap it up for their birthday. You can decide if they get it, if they do well at school. Right. You can determine and you can get credit because the relationship we're most interested in is that child's primary relationship. Right. So we, there's a lot of things that we do that, that kind of are un-mission trip-esque, um, like no selfies and all that business. But uh, – in the end, I think it gives a more powerful experience to both the person that visited and certainly for the kids that we serve. Yeah, that's cool. Definitely. Now, I asked this question of uh, Brian and Jackie McCobb of Our Little Neighbors of Paraguay, and I, I know it at first it seems like a, a bit of a 
a wrong question to ask, um, but I think it's one that a lot of, I would at least say Americans think about. And, you know, it's like we have listeners, like, obviously from all over South Africa, Asia, Europe, Canada, the U.S. Um, but this is a question that I feel like some people ask about is the fact of why should we care about what's going on all over the world when our own country's having its own set of issues? Yeah, there's a lot of ways um, I can answer that question. <clears throat> I think that some people don't need to care about it. I mean, I, I think it. I think people's unique callings are between them and Jesus. And sometimes the Lord calls us to help right in our backyard. And sometimes God calls us to help somewhere far on the other side of the world. Um, and that's not really a decision that man can look on and make a, dis- a judgment about. That's just between those persons and God. But because um, I, I certainly don't think that the Lord looks down on earth and sees borders, country borders. But uh, <laughs> right. I, I do think... Um, Sometimes when I was getting sassy and I would get asked that question, I would say, I would tell the story about there was a church that came to visit us and from a really affluent community and they got off the bus, I remember, and I was like, my gosh, somebody did not tell them. They look like they're coming to a timeshare. Like, did did somebody tell them this is a mission trip? And the pastor was last off and I said something to him to that effect. And he said, this is my last week with these people. I'm leaving um, next week. I'm doing a church plant in the inner city of our our city. Mm. Um, this is my final assignment. I've been planting this church in the inner city about 18 months. I've been trying to get people to help me with it. Announcement week after week, nobody's willing to help me. I cannot believe we got people to come on this trip. I think they were just excited about the location. And I was like, okay, it's going to be a great week. Anyway, we, had, we ended up having a fabulous week. <clears throat> they left. They went back to their city couple of months later, I went to that city and spoke at their church. And after the service, we had a lunch and we circled up and I said, tell me how your life has been since I last saw you. And the pastor came back to visit that Sunday and he said, tell her, tell her what's been going on. And the first guy was like, um, I now drive the bus on Wednesdays for this church plan. And the next person was like, yeah, I do Sunday morning, Sunday school. And the other guy's like, I make the meal on <clears throat> for for after the service and they all went around having now accepted some kind of volunteer role in this mm-hmm. inner city church plant. And I said, what happened? Like, did you guys all decide to do that? Or like, what happened? And this one lady said something so wise. She said, I, I didn't think I had anything to offer and I didn't think I had anything in common. That's why I never said yes before. But once I got into another country and I realized I had lots more that I even understood I had to offer. And I had lots more in common with people. I couldn't even speak their language. I knew I could be helpful in my own city. Mm. And we've had tens and thousands of people who have visited us over the last 25 years. And I have a feeling we've probably spurred on a lot of work in the U S as they've come back empowered from their international experience. That's cool. So That's real I actually think we've done a lot in the U S I didn't even realize <laughs> um, through them, but, but, but it's really, you know, it's just between whoever it is and the God they serve, where, where they serve. Wow. <laughs> That's some pretty f- powerful stuff. I know that uh, <clears throat> Janiel went on, uh, my wife went on one of the, your the back-to-back trips uh, a long time ago, before I even met her, which was so I think like 10 years ago or more. Um, and she just absolutely rants and raves about it still to this day. And, and a lot of the stuff that she does is because of her experience that she had um, with back to back. Um, so I know that you guys are doing our great stuff and it motivated her. Um, I, I, you know, 
looking at uh, at your guys' website and stuff like that, I mean, it's just it's amazing some of the stuff that you guys um, have going on there and some of the, the countries you guys are reaching. Um, what would you say is probably um, the the best and most valuable thing that you have learned through this entire experience uh, of of back to back? Hmm. In a nutshell, uh, or, probably or long form. either or two <laughs> nutshells. You can <laughs> do three if you want. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is the star of every story. That's that's probably what I would hang my hat on. Everything that's ever happened, it's because God made it happen. Yeah. Um. Period. Like he he, I think postures of he. I think God honors humility, and um. I think the more that you humbly steward what he's given you, the more he gives you. In in 2012, we were going to present at this um, Christian Alliance for Orphans, which is an annual conference for people in the orphan care space. This time, and I were going to present this workshop called Taking Your Startup Nonprofit to a Midsize Organization. So that year, we were about $5 million in budget. We had about 100 staff. And it had been a long road between our savings account and two people and $5 million and 100 people. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we'd put together some of our cautionary tales and best practices. And we made 20 copies of our handouts, prayed that 10 people would come. And when we opened the door for the workshop, we had hundreds of people walk in the door and we were totally overwhelmed. So we stood on the stage and we're like, hey, handouts are going to work today. So I'm going to put in a jump drive. I'm in a Google Drive, like every everything I can possibly, every board policy manual, every HR manual, every Bible study, every training, anything could possibly ever want we'll just put on there anybody can have it you can just have it for free and just take our logo off it put your logo on it if it's not exactly what you want maybe get you halfway where you're going less time in front of a computer more time in front of a kid and within 18 months we doubled in size because i think that principle that the spiritual principle you can't break is that you can't outgive god and if you share what he's given you he he grows it (laughs) and so the, the whole Jesus is the star of the story is probably the chief summary statement. But if I had to get a second little corollary statement, it'd probably be, be um, that people are always worth it. Mm. Um, kids from hard places, uh, they tend to push you away and um, just pursuit. I mean, pursuit, pursuit at all costs. They're always worth it. I've seen a lot of miraculous stories of kids turning around, but it be it was because somebody demonstrated extraordinary love to them. Yeah. Wow. Mark, you got anything else? I got nothing, man. <laughs> I'm more so sitting here thinking through my own parenting, I, just that's going, what man, I'm, I, I'm I got to redo a couple things. <laughs> Can I, I was, redo? Well, I'm taking advice from you already. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that, that maybe you've wanted to mention? We haven't asked you a certain question um, or something that we may have missed that you would like to, to speak to right now? Oh, I think maybe only just that if, if there's any listener that's thinking, I I wish I would have done that when I was 25 or um, we have a really neat story. It just released. um, I'm not sure exactly when this will be aired, but I just released here mid October. um, We have a partnership with the Tim Tebow foundation. So on all of their social media platforms, they just, um, put out a, a video, a story about a family that's in our back-to-back extended family who um, they're retired and they just adopted a three-year-old with special needs from a children's home that we serve, that we have in Mexico that's solely for children with special needs. They adopted this little girl and um, <laughs> what's happening in their family is 
it's jaw dropping. And I mm. think um, they thought to themselves, there's no way God would want to do something like that through us at this point in our life. And he is. So I would just say it's never too late. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, I'm just going to echo that. Uh, you know, Mark and I started this podcast two years ago and it was two guys in a coffee two, shop. Two, two, two dudes said, in a coffee shop. Yep. That said, hey, we want to just to share and to, to help Christians grow and, and find guests like you, Beth, that have... Uh, that God's using them for powerful things and ministries across the world. And we want to connect not only with, with people like you, but also connect our listeners with people and organizations like you. And God has used it, a steel worker and an, a, you know, I'm a web, I'm a, a website guy, a website designer to, to bring up about, um, you know, being able to, to make connections with people. And, uh, it's, it's amazing things and it's never too late. And, uh, God seems to use the, uh, the uh, dumb-witted, I would say, I am. That <laughs> did, t- did you just you, call Beth dumb-witted? No, no, not Beth. Just, I, that's oh, why just I said, you, that's why you, I said you, I, you. That's, that's just me. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but he seems to use the uh, the people that are, are the least expected to do some of the biggest things. Uh, but it's because they said yes. Because they said yes, right. The power of yes. That's what we're going to go with. So that we're going with for this episode, the power of yes. The power of yes and the redo. And the redo. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have a redo by say, using the power of yes. I'm all about Amen. that. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, real quick, Beth, where can listeners learn more about you? Uh, either sponsor the ministry, sponsor a child, learn more about going on a mission trip and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, back to Back's website is back in the number two back, backtoback.org. And we're on all the social media platforms so people can find out more about us there. Um, me personally, certainly I am present on the back to back website, but I also have a, um, website called recklessfaith.com and that's where all, all kinds of materials that I've produced, um, find their home. Okay. Well, we'll make sure we put those in the show notes in case anybody forgets that way we don't forget and you can be found. And, uh, I know our listeners are some very giving and very loving listeners. And so I'm sure a bunch of people will be wanting to know more information about that and how to get in there. But uh, is there That'd be great. anything else that you want to throw at us, throw at our listeners before we uh, move on to the fun fact of the day? No, I think that's all. All right, Beth, thank you so, so much for being on with us today. But we can't let her go but We yet. can't let you go without giving you a fun fact because that's just what we've always done. <laughs> so you ready for your fun fact? Let's Fuller. do the fun fact. Time for fun facts with Fuller. <laughs> that so final last man that, that's the little segue bet that we had for our fun facts and that came about in season two i believe is when we did that before uh, it was just like i think it's before season two like was it? season one or something it was before that it was just hey let's hear a fun fact okay here's a fun fact but then we decided <laughs> we needed a little something a little break there so that's janelle and the kids by the way that's my wife and my kids right there that did that so precious uh so the fun fact of, the t- of today did you know everybody that people started wearing pajamas, originally spelled P-Y-J-A-M-A-S. Wait, what? Instead of nightgowns, so they'd be prepared to run outside in public during World War One air raids in England. So that's where PJs really? came from. So your PJs were actually your go-go clothes. They're the go-go run-out-the-door clothes. Um, well, okay, so fun fact, my fun fact, when I went to college, it was a very conservative college, so they always had to warn us about when our uh, fire drills were happening yep. because we had to run out of our dorms and 
One of the dudes missed the memo, and he was in the shower, oh, and no. homeboy came running out with a towel because he thought it was a real fire <laughs> oh, no. drill because it was Saturday morning. And I don't know, no, someone burnt popcorn. It's out the whole fire alarm on the whole campus. And so homeboy came running out with just a towel. It was it was it demerits. Was a, it was a funny. Well, we didn't do demerits. <laughs> oh well, but Pensacola Christian. College. It was a demerits funny. It was a funny situation. But either way, but yeah, Christian schools they warned you so yeah. you could have your go go clothes right. on in case the fire alarm went off. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, again, thanks for everybody for for tuning in and, and listening to Beth from back to back. You can go to backtoback.org and all the other special places that and Beth reckless, told us about. Recklessfaith.com. There you go. Yeah, I'm yep. glad you wrote it down. So check check Beth out there on those platforms and uh, get involved with that ministry. Uh, you can also reach out to us at Real Talk Christian podcast.com everything that you could ever want for us all the things is there even the store it's all, it's all there the store the links to the episodes the email account the phone number everything's right there you can just go there uh you could also call call us at 574-400-5352 mark am i missing anything I, I, normally this is me doing the runoff I but know. you're doing the rundown and i'm here for that's because i'm not caffeinated I don't know. Why. I'm not caffeinated either, man. I'm drinking LaCroix. So, but either way, just like always, guys, we are so glad and thankful and excited that you have joined with us. We have a lot of new listeners to the podcast. We've been growing every single day. So feel free to reach out to us and connect with us. We joke all the time. Hey, you can text us, call us, DM us. But and guess what? We always we respond actually respond every back. Time. Now, sometimes it's a little slow, and sometimes we're not so great about it. Yeah. But we've been doing a lot better recently. So hit better. us up, hit Beth up. But Beth, it was a pleasure meeting Thank you, you so and having much this conversation. We appreciate it. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, until next time, take it easy.